still is strong today. You know, it comes from Joshua 14. Joshua and Caleb were sent out by Moses with ten other spies to go and explore the promised land, to find out what the fruit was like, to see what the situation was. It was the promise inheritance that God has given his people. Well, if you remember the story, Joshua and Caleb came back with good news, but the other ten had bad news. They saw the same thing, but ten lacked faith, and two, Joshua and Caleb saw things differently, but God's people rebelled. And God said, you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years until everyone who was old enough who saw this and grumbled, will die. Then we'll go into the promised land. So when we pick it up in Joshua 14, it's a time where Joshua has led God's people in to inherit the promised land. They've won some battles. They knocked down the walls at Jericho. And about that time, in Joshua 14, uh. Caleb comes up and he says this to Joshua. He says in verse 6, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Since the time he said this to Moses... Well, Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and that their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. I mean, you can't help but read about Caleb's conviction. And he's like, here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm just as vigorous to go out for battle. He says, I'm still as strong today. And I want you to think for a moment as you hear Caleb echo those words. If you've been on your spiritual journey for a while... Is that a statement that you could make? I'm still as strong today. And maybe you're brand new on the journey or you're contemplating the journey. I want you to have a vision. Who are you going to be as a man, as a woman, 30 years from now, 40 years from now? What will your convictions look like? What will your life look like? Will this be a statement that you'll be able to make three or four decades from now? I am still as strong today as the day I was then. You know, a spiritual journey is a unique endeavor. 
You don't get any bonus points for starting if you don't finish. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Peter that it's worse to start and quit than to never begin in the first place. You know, I remember one of my hikes uh, to Mount Whitney. We got turned around because of the weather. And I remember Michael was about six years old, oldest son. And I remember him telling some of his friends in my presence about that hike. You know, he started and it sounded really good. He goes, they were talking about the mountains and he goes, oh yeah, well my dad's hiked Mount Whitney. And then he goes, well, sort of. (laughs) He started, but he didn't reach the top. And then he turned around and came back home. And then he looked at me and he goes, but it was a nice try. (laughs) I just smiled. Thank you, Michael. You know, the Christian life, we're all in the same place when we start. There is minimal entrance requirements. We must make Jesus Lord of our life. We must have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. That He was crucified for our sins and that God raised Him from the dead. And then the Bible says we must be baptized, the word means immersed, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. See, that's it. And so the Bible makes it clear that all God's people who are disciples start in the same place. You made it. Your convictions are strong. You're full of faith. Lordship is in place. And yet the goal of Christianity is not to start well. And then who cares how you finish? You know, God's people started well out of Egypt. And even you think about the 12 spies as they went out, the anticipation. But then as they started exploring the land, only two of the 12 came back with a faithful report. Same opportunity. God was upset. He dealt with the Israelites who had grumbled. And now it was time for Joshua and Caleb to experience the inheritance that God had promised. And Caleb, incredible faith and conviction, says at 85 years old, I am vigorous for battle. Give me the hill country. Because I know God is going to do it. He said, I am still as strong today. Yeah, every once in a while, it's just good to evaluate your life and say, who am I? Where am I at in my journey? And where am I going? I want to go back to Luke 9 and see a time where where Jesus talks about the starting point. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, we're going to read down to 62. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Doesn't that sound awesome? I mean, isn't that the kind of person that you want? 
You know, what comes next is not what we think Jesus would say. It's not modern day ministry. Jesus looks at him and says, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But I have no place to lay my head at night when I sleep. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is just discipleship. This is just basic Christianity. This is not Green Beret Christianity. This is just what it takes to follow Jesus. It's what it takes to begin the race. But the question that we have before us is, are we still as strong today as when we started our journey? Where have you become Where are you going? You know, I see three things Jesus addressed right here. Number one, and here's a question he asks, are you still committed to a sacrificial life? Christianity has so many blessings. I mean, you get the forgiveness of sins. You get a great spiritual family. You get the Bible. You get heaven one day. You get grace and mercy from God. You get that peace that passes all understanding. I mean, who wouldn't want any of those things? You know, who would not want to become a Christian with all that there? And, you know, and so like this guy, we say, I'll follow you wherever you go. Because who wouldn't want that? And yet Jesus calls him to count the cost to the sacrifice involved. To be one of his disciples. He says, foxes and birds have it better than I do. You still want to follow? Christianity without a cross is fake. It's not true. Christianity without lordship is a lie. There's no such thing. Christianity without sacrifice is a wide road. It sounds good and it's pleasing to the ears, but it's not one that will get you to heaven. There's a reason Jesus told this man, this this guy that said, I'll follow you wherever you go. There's a reason Jesus said it's going to be hard. Because the goal of Christianity is not to start well. And then at some point along the journey, to fade out and to give up. The goal of Christianity is that decades from now, just like Caleb, we can say, I am still vigorous for battle. I am just as strong today as I was then. Are we? You know, when I was young in the Lord, I I loved the sacrifice. 
I thought it was awesome. I was excited about a Christianity where that was involved because I'd never had that in my whole life. I thought, this is different. This is radical. This is, you know, this is what I've been waiting for. But, you know, then as I age, sacrifice, I know it's right and I know it's real, but I'm not as fired up about it. It's harder to sacrifice. Yeah, I want to give, but I don't want it to have to hurt. I want to be committed, but I don't want to be inconvenienced. I want it to fit into the life that I have chosen. I kind of like a Christianity that adapts itself to what I want. You know, sacrifice is not that way. You know, one, one couple in particular came to mind when I was thinking about this. You know, late, later in life, they're not that old. They're good friends. But Scott and Tara Vance. Yeah, I think about the move that they made. They, they, they used to live in the north. They ended up in Florida. And they had a great life situation. Made a lot of money at this job. They had a beautiful big house. It was awesome. But the problem is, it wasn't a great spiritual situation. Yeah, there was a church, and they taught true doctrine. They had some good friends, but it wasn't a great spiritual environment. So you know what they did? Scott gave notice at his work. He didn't get transferred. He gave notice. His job opportunity here came about after he had given notice. They were going to relocate out here with no job because spiritually they thought it was a better situation. They sold their big, huge house, paid more money for a smaller, still nice house, more expensive place to live. You say, why? Because they wanted to do what they felt was best spiritually. And see, I think that's the test of the sacrificial life. You see, the sacrificial life makes decisions for what is best spiritually. First and foremost, always. Number one. Then after that's resolved, there may be some other secondary decisions to work through. But none of the secondary decisions ever get put in front of what is best spiritually. They had two older daughters at the time. He's advanced in his career, had a very high-level position, just gave notice. So that takes incredible faith. Caleb wouldn't have looked at that and said, Wow, that's remarkable. He'd go, high fives, Vances. That's the way I think. That's right. I'm just as strong today as I was then. I'm vigorous for battle. Of course. Yeah, you make sacrifice, but it's all about fulfilling God's promise. It's all about what's best. That's why Scott and Tara make an impact. Why they're helping lives change. Even in their older age. 
know why? Because they're committed to the sacrificial life. You know, I think about the society we live in, and, and we fool ourselves if we think it doesn't affect us. But you think about the phenomenon of credit cards. You know, 40 years ago, credit cards were kind of hard to get. And the limits were really low. And people that had them, you just like whatever you spent, then you paid off. Now our society is different. You know, the average household, as of last year, the study, the average household in our country has $16,000 of credit card debt. And you say, what does that represent? Those are purchases made without the money. You say, really, it's the same kind of battle. Because you go, yeah, but I want something now. Yeah, I don't want to have to save for it. I have choices. I can make sacrifices and have delayed gratification. Or I can fulfill what I want now. You know, when you're committed to the sacrificial life, you have no problem obeying the scriptures that say, do not give up mating together. The disciples met together daily. They were committed to one another, relationships. Those things are a given. And you will sacrifice to make that happen. But sometimes as we age, we start looking at those things and we go, well, it's still kind of a choice. I don't really want to do that. That's not my favorite thing that we're doing. So I'm not going to go to that. I'm kind of busy. This is really important. Instead of scheduling your life around and making sacrifices, you start picking and choosing what you're going to commit to. You live that life, it will affect you. Picking and choosing where you'll sacrifice. You know what? Satan erodes our faith, our doubt, our sacrifice. Say, are you still as strong today as when you began the race? When you, when you made your confession, Jesus is Lord. You know, that is not a religious phrase. It just, it really sounds cool. No, when you declare Jesus Lord of your life, it means you own everything. You own my time. You own my schedule. You own my children. You own my hobbies. You own my career. You own our money. You own our retirement. You own everything about me. You are Lord of my life. If Jesus made the decisions for your life, would he pick the same things? You look at how Jesus made his decisions. What's best spiritually? Not what's easiest. Are you still committed to the sacrificial life? You know, the second thing you see Jesus address is this question. Are you still committed to surrendered emotions? You know, when I, when I first became a disciple, I thought the only emotion I had was excitement at sporting events and anger at bad drivers. I did not think as a young married man that I had any emotions. I thought my wife had them all. 
But you know what? As I've aged, I've become a lot more emotional. I feel a lot more things. My highs get high. My lows get low. And I think about the emotional pulls on our heart that we experience in our journey. And you go, when, when we're feeling those things strongly, there's a lot of pull. You know, in this case, it was, let me go and bury my father. Now, just to set up the context here, this was not a guy that had a funeral to go to. The verb tense here, the guy has not yet died. And so what he's really saying is, let me just go and hang out. And then once everything happens, then I won't have that obligation and then I'll go. You know, he's, he wanted the emotional circumstances to resolve themselves on its own. And then I will choose to follow you. You know, I remember having a girlfriend of a year and a half and studying the Bible and asking the question, am I going to be able to live the Christian life attached to her? And I I knew immediately what the answer was. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be pure. There's no way I'm going to be righteous. It will absolutely conflict with my intentions to serve God. And I broke up with her. She goes, yeah, but I want to do this too. I'll become a Christian too. She's from a a Jewish background. She goes, I don't know that much about it. And I said, you know what? That's really awesome that you want to. And I will put you in touch with some women in the church. But And then you can study. But you know what? I'm still ending the relationship. I remember the emotions I felt. Like the emotions didn't end. And then I broke up. The attachment was still there. You think, okay, well, I made that decision to become a Christian. Well, then how do I do when my emotions come into play now? What about, you know, if you're discouraged? What about if somebody sins against you? What if you feel hurt or let down or somebody persecutes you? How do you do on the emotional journey then? Some of the people I was thinking of that, that are just stellar upward calls to me, Jerry and Lynn Sugarman, they're, they're elders in the North region. Like they are seemingly unfazed by anything. And you could think, well, they probably don't care. No, they care deeply. Remember Jerry sharing when the doc said, you better get your affairs in order because you have weeks to live. He had a... a Cancer of the mouth that went into the brain. You have weeks to live. He was faithful through that. He served God. You know, I just think, and I, I go, you know what, that's the way I want to be. Is when the emotions come, I can be a faithful, strong man through all of it. You know, I also think of my wife. She's the most devoted person I know. And I can assure you she has emotions. (laughs) 
But through the ups and through the downs, her devotion to God and his people is so consistent. Like, even at her worst, she's amazing. You know, and it helps me. Because you're going to go through ups and you're going to go through downs. The stories of life, if you're a parent, you know, your heart's living in those little bodies. Don't we love it when they make good decisions? But it is gut-wrenching when they make bad ones. You can be a perfect parent and they make horrible decisions. But who are you going to be? Through those times of emotional testing. You know, Caleb, he said, I am still strong today. I do not want to become a grumpy old man and go, well, I was faithful and strong when I was young, but now, you know, now I'm getting older, so I'm just, you know, grumpy. No. Who do you want to be as a man or a woman? Who have you become? Surrendered emotions. What's your time of testing emotionally? What are you battling with right now? Are you vigorous for battle? You know, the ten spies, they got afraid at what they saw. It was emotional. They knew the promise of God. They had the pillar of fire at night to look at. And they still said, no, we look like grasshoppers. It was not an intellectual issue. It was purely emotional. So what is it you're battling right now? You know, and then I see the third area that Jesus addressed right here. And here's the question he asked. Are you still committed to single-minded living? Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is one of those passages that knows that God wrote it and not me. Because I think most of us as humans, we would write it, if anyone puts his hand to the plow and lets go of the plow, he's not fit for service. But Jesus is looking at the heart. He said, no, you can still plow. But if you're not looking ahead and you're looking behind, you're not fit for service. You're not going to plow in a straight line. You're not going to do a good job if you're sitting there looking at the days gone by, wondering what would have happened. Jesus single-minded living. You know what his point is? When you're plowing, that's what you're focused on. You go, yeah, but we have so much other stuff to do too. Yeah. But are you looking back? Or are you plowing in a straight line? Are you distracted? What's your schedule look like? What's your priorities look like? Man, you know what was so awesome yesterday? Uh, they had an amazing baby shower uh, for, for Nia, uh, for little uh, Michelle and Norm's unborn daughter that's going to be born to us soon. And we're just fired up about that situation. But had some round tables that we needed to get over uh, there and picked up. And so 
you know, Cheryl's like, well, who has a truck? And I'm like, hey, Western Rochelle have a truck. So, so they got the tables. You know, it's like cover all electric. Chris brought them over. And then asked Rochelle and Wes came over with the truck. Loaded, and you know what he said? Because Cheryl said, oh, I just, you know, I feel bad that, you know, it's Saturday and you're doing this. And he goes, no, no, no. I don't work on Saturdays. What else do you need me to do? That was his heart. That's what he said. Hey, this is my day off. That means I get to serve more. I go, am I surprised? No, I think Wes and Rochelle are awesome. But, you know, Wes, Wes is the same guy that he was out on the streets of law enforcement doing incredible things and life was exciting. But he took a job doing IT. You say, well, why IT? Because it's Monday through Friday in a really good schedule of hours. So he's available to plow. And he is available to minister to his family. He took the job that no one wanted. You know, you, you do not go into the CHP to say, I can't wait to work IT. <laughs> that, that's why I'm joining. No, but, but when you're single-minded in your living, you make different choices. Because you want to keep plowing in a straight line. You know, Wes, Rochelle, keep it up. You guys are awesome. What's the test for you and I? What's our priorities? We're busy. We're all busy. When I was young, I thought life could not get busier. And then, you know, every succeeding stage, you look back and go, I had so much time. I don't know why I didn't use my time better. Now I have no time. And then until I get to the next phase, then you realize... Wow, I have so much time now. And like I said, I don't want to burst your bubble, but when you're an empty nester, life's still busy. It's just busy. There's just stuff. You know, we're not ever going to live in such an undistracted way that we will not have to battle the test of priorities. Wouldn't that be easy? God just arranged my life so my priorities are set before me. No, God says, no, no, no. You have to choose your priorities. It's your decision making. But Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for service in the kingdom. You know, when uh, Rob Skinner, who leads the Tucson church, came, he spoke at the men's retreat a couple years ago. And one of the things he talked about to the men is he said, you know, we have to beware of our shadow missions. He said, what's the shadow missions? The shadow mission is not God's mission for our life, but it's a mission that we choose outside of God's mission. It becomes our purpose. It becomes what motivates us. It's not God's plan, but it's something that we're absorbed in. And our shadow mission can have a really important cause. But it's not plowing the field that God put out. We got to watch out that we don't have shadow missions. Our lives can be full of a lot of things. 
But we got to keep our hand to the plow. If our shadow missions are taking our eyes off what's straight ahead, we need to repent. I love, I love what Caleb says. He says, God has kept me alive. You know, sometimes in our theology, we, we think, well, you know, God's done with me. We think it. You know, the glory days have gone, and now I'm just here eking out in existence. No. If you're alive and all of you look alive, it's because God has some plowing for you to do. Caleb understood this. He goes, God has kept me alive. Are you still strong today is when you began the journey. I want to close in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation was written when the church was in more an advanced stage, had been developed for a while, you know, roughly either 40 or 70 years, depending on, you know, when you think the book was written. But so they'd been living the Christian life for a while. And you have the church in Ephesus. And this, this was a church that scholars believe were between 30 and 100,000 disciples. Timothy led it. I mean, we've got the great um, book of Ephesians. And I mean, there's so much good stuff. I mean, this was an awesome church. They had a book of the Bible written to them. You know, that'd be cool. The book of Santa Clarita. You know, and Paul's like, you know, in Rancho Pico, make sure you do this. And then everybody can read about it. You know, that's what Ephesians was. It was, it was amazing. And yet either 40 or 70 years after the church there began, listen to what Jesus says. Starting in verse 1, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, this is all instructional to the church in Ephesus. Why? So that they finish strong. He's like, hey, you started. But you got a problem now with the ending. You ended up not in a good place. They could not say like Caleb, I am still as vigorous for battle now as I was then. They could not say, I am still as faithful. I am still as strong now. If Jesus asked them how they were doing, they'd go, well, we've done this and this and this. And Jesus would be like, yeah, but where are you at? They'd go, well, not that good. 
You know what Jesus says is convicting, but it's actually a huge relief. Jesus keeps it simple, and he just says, well, here's, here's what you need to do. Remember the height from which you've fallen. He goes, so thinking about where you were, he goes, repent and do the things you did at first. He says, go back to the starting place. Where were your convictions? When you said, Jesus is Lord, how did you live? What was your thought process? You would give up anything. You would go anywhere. Why? Because you wanted what was best. He says, repent, do the things you did at first. You know what? I love this. Because what if he said, all right, well, the process back is going to take 15 years. I'd be like, 15 years? That could take forever. No, Jesus just says, hey, go back and do what you did at the beginning. Think back to the start. Think back to your convictions, your sacrifice, your surrender, your single-minded living. He says, think back and do the things you did at first. He just makes it simple. Then he moves on. It wasn't a long speech. He had a glorious church that wasn't where they needed to be. And Jesus told them a few sentences and said, there you go. You, you got everything that you need now. The choice is yours. Are you still as strong today? You know, like Caleb, we can all say yes. If we make the choice to be there. It is not a process. Jesus says it's an issue of repentance and doing the things you did at first. Who are you going to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now? Your answer to this, your response is what's going to make that determination. We all draw incredible encouragement from Caleb. You go, man, that guy's awesome. I want to be that fired up when I'm 85. Say, you can be. You can be the modern day Caleb. You can inspire others. You can help others. You can win battles. You can be vigorous. The choice is yours. Caleb is an inspiration. But that same inspirational path is available for each one of us. Let's commit to the sacrificial life. Let's commit to surrendered emotions. And let's recommit to the single-minded living. Let's stand as we close in a final song.